The following podcast contains spoilers and words like piss, shit, and fuck. We watch it. We watch it. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to We Watched a Thing. This week, I'm joined by a true podcasting legend. Uh, it is, of course, the legendary, the wonderful Paul from the Countdown. How are you doing, mate? I'm doing very well, Billy, and not at all overawed by that introduction. So I'm sure I'll let down everybody because no. you know, there's a big, there's a big fat, there's sort of tofa shaped hole, and now your <laughs> wife shaped hole to try and fill, and I, you know, and they're two, those two holes, so to speak, are no one can step into them. Wait, that sounds really. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll tell my wife that you said she has a big hole. <laughs> but thank you so much for doing it. You honestly, the countdown is. Probably my favourite podcast. I listen to oh, it every single week. Kind. And Thanks, you mate. have been on this show once before, but sadly, we spoke oh. about a film so bad that it remains to this day our least downloaded episode. <laughs> so, <laughs> so uh, hopefully, awesome. this is maybe a little bit better than Empty Man slash Tommy Boy Redux. <laughs> <laughs> you know it was a Tommy Boy that sunk that episode, right? Not Empty Ab- Man. Absolutely. People Actually, saw that no. in the title and just went, fuck that. <laughs> When, when this one doesn't uh, download either, then we'll just know it's my fault. So, we'll find that <laughs> in, in very short order. So, how you been doing, mate? Uh, busy. Life is busy. Work is busy. Family has always got stuff on. So, you know, can't complain. It's nice to peek behind the curtains, I guess. We're recording on a Friday night. It's nice to, to relax in, into this and uh, to talk movies with a with a great podcaster himself who I always... You and Toph and you and, your wife, and, you and everyone. You and the friends. Oh, man. I, I always look forward to your opinions on the film and even though we wildly disagree at times and I'm, that may not happen tonight uh, we'll see. it's always entertaining and I appreciate the technical side of things I really do so oh, I know I'm preaching so the converted much. these are your listeners but they know they're on a good thing and I'm so glad you hung around after Tofa went ran for the hills <laughs> well you were a big part of convincing me to do that and peek behind the curtains you were the one who came up with the name B Dizzle and Friends so thank you for that so of course you had to be one of the first people I reached out to and I had to line you up for this movie because I know that you're a horror guy. I am. And you and I, I, from memory, were both pretty big fans of the 2018 Halloween. Absolutely. So, I, of course, had to invite you here to talk about Halloween Kills. So, Halloween Kills is a 2021 American slasher film directed by David Gordon Green and written by Green, Danny McBride and Scott Teams. Uh, It's a sequel, of course, to 2018's Halloween and the 12th installment in Halloween overall. It stars Jamie Lee Curtis, James Jude Courtney, Judy Greer, Andy Matichak, Will Patton and Anthony Michael Hall. And I'm going to do this to you. What is it about, Paul? It is about Michael, who, surprise, surprise, didn't die at the end of the first film, as we were led to believe. Shock. goes on a rampage <laughs> through the streets of Haddonfield, headed towards, well, somewhere, which would be, I guess, a spoiler, but we do spoil things, towards his old home. Meanwhile, everybody else decides it's time to destroy Michael, and the mob mentality breaks <laughs> out, and everyone's hunting him through the streets of Haddonfield. That's your plot. That's all there is. There ain't nothing more. Oh, you know those uh, strode women? They're all in the hospital. Don't worry about them. Yeah, yeah. Where where are they? (laughs) Jeez. All right. Well, let's get straight into it then. (laughs) I don't think I could hear the phrase evil dies tonight any more times. (laughs) Look, I know this is an audio medium, so so I should not do the visual response, but I put my head in my hands and rubbed my eyes. It was so cringeworthy by the end of this film. Once or twice, yeah, okay, I'll let you be on the nose with that. But when it's, it is the 15th or maybe even the 25th time, yeah. it really does start to rankle. What a stupid, stupid saying. 
yeah, it got really old really, really fast. <laughs> like a lot of this film did, Billy, unfortunately. Yeah, I didn't I didn't want to go and show my cards too early. A big, big disappointment after 2018's Halloween. Yeah, I'm not sure where to start because there's so many different places you could pick this apart. Hey, well, how about this? How about we start with the positive parts? Okay, all right, let's do that. Short discussion. I'll just take over for a moment here. <laughs> um, and I don't have a little lineup uh, equivalent of Paul's big call because that would be you know, <laughs> ripping on you. So, I'm, I'm hoping to hear one at some point tonight. But I thought the kills in this film were actually very well done. Like, if you want to see Michael destroy people, tear them to pieces, stab them in inventive ways, really let the blood flow, then this is the Halloween film for you. The body count in Halloween Kills would have to be the equivalent of at least three other Halloween films put together. Yeah, I agree. And it's not just the high number. As you said, I think most of the kills are actually pretty interesting, like visually as well. Mm. I think that there's some pretty cool stuff going on with the kills themselves. And I got to say, there's one thing about this film that I both hate and admire at the same time. (laughs) The screenplay and the structure is really bad <laughs> like it's really agree. really bad but at the same time i kind of don't mind the premise that this is almost a bit of an anthology film and i don't know if you know what i'm talking about yet but as you say there's a lot of kills most of them are kind of unrelated really like this, this film feels completely jumbled it's a bit of a mess there's like 10 to 12 different little subplots going on here you've got Big John and Little John, which is kind of strange. You've got- oh, you've got progressive. <laughs> We've got a gay couple that lives in Haddonfield, Billy. Yeah. Amazing. You've got the Strode women who are in the hospital and there's the whole weird thing with the mob and the, the other escaped patient, which is a whole other kettle of fish that Ugh. I'll get into later. Mm-hmm. But there's kind of all these different little subplots. And as far as that as an idea goes, I don't hate it. I don't hate the idea of a bit of an anthology Michael Myers film where you have all these different subplots. This was just executed really poorly and not like the middle of a trilogy is the complete wrong place for that, I think. Look, I, I would agree. It, maybe it's a standalone other kind of film. Hey, you know that film 2018 where Michael got out? Well, here's all the other bits you didn't see on the night. Those, yeah. All those other sort of characters who are affected that don't affect the main plot. That would be that would be fun, I guess. Like uh, Tales from Haddonfield or whatever you want to call yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, and just don't have, don't have Laurie in that one at all. Because you may as well not have here, honestly. Oh, she is superfluous, this film. And unfortunately, you know, they, they kind of came out and said, look, we've got plans for a trilogy, especially immediately after the, the 2018 version was released and it did yep. gangbusters. I think it was the highest grossing horror film for its opening weekend in history at that particular point in time. So they went, yeah, well, we're going to get greenlit to this. We're going to do three films. Clearly, whatever ideas they had stretched only as far as two films because just to follow w- Michael from the Strode house back to his house murdering people is yep. not a movie. It's not a it's not an instalment in a trilogy. What other than Michael and, and we don't really know how he advances and why he's doing what he's doing, but does anybody else get a character arc here in this film? Anybody? Oh, absolutely not. Absolutely not. And you know, I 
I, I tell you what, the first five minutes, I was like, oh, I'm into this. I love that it picks up exactly where the last one left off. You've got Laurie, you know, leaving from the house and she's yelling at the fireies, you know, like, just let it burn. I really dug that intro and I was like, oh, cool. We're in for something good here. I like the idea that it picks up the same night. But is the third one going to continue this same night as well? Because the rumors are that it's not going to. And if that's yep. the case, I just don't understand why this film exists <laughs> like it seems like we should have just jumped straight to that third one <laughs> aside from the cynical acknowledgement of this will make money and has made money even yeah though in these covid affected times and it, and it dropped day and date onto peacock as well yeah in the states so that's why that's why it exists because we know we can make money out of three films and despite my complaints about this film and my overall grade at the end of this i'm still gonna go see that third one for sure <laughs> yeah I mean, I, mean, I yeah. am, as you said, someone who really enjoys horror films, and I've now seen 12 of these films. This is by no means the worst of the 12, but it's certainly a far worse film than the original 2000, well, the sequel 2018 version. Yep. Yep. Let me ask you this. As a horror guy, even though the kills were cool, were you scared at all in this film? No. No. But, no. Um, I mean, I guess I need to- kind of bring another question in. Have you been scared in any of the Halloween films or is it just not like, does this kind of genre of horror just not actually scare you? No, I, look, I, to be fair, I don't think I am a good accurate audience for that because I've seen so many horror films and nothing about a guy wearing a, a weird William Shatner mask walking around stabbing people is overly frightening. Yeah. I think the first film way back in 78, which of course is almost a granddaddy of slasher films in that, so many films in the last 43 years have imitated or tried to, sometimes successfully, most often not. Yeah. They're the ones that they all pull the cues from. There are some oozing with atmosphere moments in that first one, which work. I wouldn't say I'm scared, but I am tense for the characters. Yeah. So, that really works. And there is some of that in the 2018 version as well, because what I really liked about that version of Michael, and we'll get to how, obviously how he changes in this version, is that he's- Meant to be, okay, he's meant to be 61 years old or whatever the hell he is at that particular point in time. Yeah. He's meant to be just this really super strong man who just has barely any pain reaction to things because he's so focused on just whatever he's focused on. Yeah. And I like that version of him. What I don't like is what happened in this film when it just goes so far beyond the realm of anything remotely acceptable if he is just a man, which they've said time and again- in even the lead up to this film, he's just a man. He's not supernatural. There is no mark of thorn. There is yeah. nothing along those lines. <laughs> but yet, the last 25 minutes of this film proved that he is more than a man. I mean, even even before the last 25 minutes, because I agree with you. One thing I've liked is that he's, he, yeah, he's, he's just a man. And this film very clearly, I think, quite outwardly states, no, he's, he's clearly supernatural. Right from the start, the fact that he survived the fire, even- yeah. And With the singe. <laughs> well, that's the thing. He's still in fucking clothes. <laughs> like mm-hmm. even even Game of Thrones with Danny, who's the Queen of Dragons, her clothes still burned off. And sure, maybe that was for a little bit of eye candy. <laughs> but it's like you got to have some level of realism there. Like his hair isn't singed. His mm-hmm. his mask, which sure it's it's a melted Shatner mask, it's melted on his cheek. It doesn't like it. Just doesn't make. It's very clear from that opening that okay, this guy can quite honestly just survive anything at this point I, I agree and by the end of the film and i guess we're going into it now when we've got laurie's voiceover pontificating monologuing maybe dialoguing to the sheriff who's next to her in the bed i'm not quite sure 
yeah. about the nature is evil and that with every kill he seems to get more powerful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, as he rises up with a, a, a horde of people around him who have been hunting him the whole night, whose bloodlust is up and who have shot him several times, have beaten him everywhere, have stabbed him, including Laurie's daughter, countless times. He just gets up and mows them all down. Yeah. But- How? Uh- yeah, and that's the other thing. If you've got a crowd that, that that is that bloodthirsty for this man, you're telling me none of them are going to try lop his head off. Like, they're just going to, you know, oh, cool, we stabbed him with a pitchfork. Job That'll done. Do. <laughs> yeah, like, that That just makes zero sense to me. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's really badly put together. I think that scene, other the rest of the film, one other good thing about it, I think it's not well- not badly shot. I agree. I, I actually really like the look of the film, which is something that carries from the 2018 film. Yeah. I think the lighting is really nice. The cinematography is very well done. Yeah, um, for night, most of it's outdoors at night. Yeah, or indoors at night. In fact, it all takes place in one night. So that I know, I know from a little bit of experience, but obviously from hearing lots and lots of filmmakers talk, and I'm sure yourself as well, to shoot at night is that much more difficult than than during the day, and it it all pops in. He's dark. It's it's dark, and he steps out of it nicely. It's not quite yeah. Dean Cundy levels from the original film, but it's still it's admirable the job I think done here. But that last scene where he's suddenly just swinging the knife, and it's all black black in the background, and he's cutting people's throats, and there's a geyser of blood, and stabbing someone else, and they're falling out of shop, and he kills that old sheriff from the original uh, film, it, among and Tommy Doyle and everybody else. Uh, it was awful. It was so badly put together. It probably wasn't helped by that monologue over the top of it, which I was just rolling my eyes so hard with. Yeah. I could barely see what was happening. If I'm if I'm honest. Yeah. So was there a good performance then, Billy? Was there anybody in this film who you thought, okay, at least they're carrying some gravitas here, or they're making me believe slash care about this person? I mean, no. <laughs> and I think I think and. I think you hit the nail on the head before when you said that the original, even though you weren't scared, there were moments where you felt tense because you, you know, for example, cared for particular characters. I think that's part of the reason this one falls so flat and didn't really have me feeling because you just don't. You do, even the characters that were built up in 2018's Halloween for you to care about, um, you just don't so much in this film. And so- you just you're really not tense at any point because no. you just don't really care. Well, I think you're 100 percent hit the nail on the head. You've taken the three Strode women, the three generations of Strode women, all of whom, particularly, I think the granddaughter in the first film, I do a really good job of making her a sympathetic character. But Judy Greer is good as the daughter as well. She's frustrated with yeah. mum. Mum's clearly batshit insane. We don't believe her. She, we 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 know she was attacked, but she's just never been able to let it go. Yep. She's so traumatized. Forty years later, this is. I'm I'm sick of it, and I want to protect my daughter from it. So you, you kind of get behind that too. And of course, we know what's coming, and therefore we sympathise with with Laurie herself. And the podcasters come and interview her, and it's Fort Knox. And yeah, less said about the podcasters, the better. But otherwise, <laughs> still, these three characters, you're right behind them. And then you know, the husband dies, the son-in-law, the dad dies, and yeah. everyone else gets sort of wiped. Almost everyone else gets wiped out through the film. So they're left. Standing with injured and whatever else. Sure, I get it. Okay. Surely we're going to focus on the three of them. And for whatever yeah. reason, Michael is going to come for them. Yeah. And that's what this film's going to be about. And had that been the film, i.e. the second film from the original timeline, yeah. Halloween 2, I think that could have worked. But they didn't obviously want to copy it too hard. Yeah. it's They've done it in a different direction. And it just hasn't worked because we are left with, hey, the best characters are sidelined. We've introduced a whole bunch of new characters, except they're not really new. 
there's a bunch of them that were all from the original film. Tommy Doyle himself, yeah, for example. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, that just doesn't work. The reason that 2018's film worked so well is it did what all great Lego sequels do, where you don't need to be too familiar with the original to enjoy it. And this film, by bringing in all those older characters, they have to cram in so much exposition and flashbacks <laughs> to try and make that work for people who haven't seen those original films that it just it becomes such a slog. And even though Tommy gets so much screen time in this film, you just don't give a shit. <laughs> he's almost a star. He's almost. Got, I would yeah. say he's got more screen time screen time than Jamie Lee Curtis. Definitely, he does. And Judy Greer. And I, I'm with I'm with you on the Strode Woman. I'm actually a huge Judy Greer fan. And if it was me doing a trilogy, that's the way I would have done it is, you know, the first film is kind of Laurie's film. Then this film should have been focused on Judy Greer. And then you've got the granddaughter in the in the grand finale of it all, as yep. it were. And that's kind of how I think it should have been structured. But instead, we just, they're completely just not present in this film. <laughs> and then we get the big, the big death, if you will, of, well, supposed death, who knows, yeah. of Judy Greer's character, of of- you know, Laurie's daughter, which my understanding is from hearing the rumours that maybe it's going to set Laurie off down a really dark path if she wasn't already. Yeah. Okay, I can buy into that. But as you say, it should have packed a punch, that death. It should have been, rather than a, an almost afterthought yeah. during the, the end of this monologue where she just gets killed standing for whatever stupid reason in the, the Myers house at the window that oh. Michael Myers. And there's that, that supernatural implication again with, with Michael's reflection there. Yeah. And then he actually somehow materialises in the house behind her and, and hacks her up and that's the end of the film. Yeah. Imagine if she had gone down swinging in, a, in this great big battle and saved Laurie and the daughter or something yeah. like that in the hospital and we really gave a shit about that. Yeah, yeah. I, just, I feel like the film's biggest problem is that I don't know if it really knows what it's trying to achieve. I think that there's something to be admired in the idea that Laurie thinks that Michael Myers is after her you know she's convinced she spent 40 years setting booby traps and planning for it and then the idea that in that really comes out in this film is that well no he kind of just likes to kill he's just wandering around killing whoever he can and it's yeah. really not focused on her at all <laughs> and in some ways i kind of like the premise of that and if you delved into that a little yeah, yeah. bit more with how that then affected her but it just doesn't and i suspect that in the next film a lot of that is just going to be wiped clean anyway. Well, I can only assume that she chases Michael in the next film. Exactly. That's that's what I'm guessing too. Yeah. Yeah. So, it's not rather than- Now that we have established exactly what you said, which again, I, I do agree with you. That idea, the concept is quite interesting that it was just happenstance really that took Michael to her house. Yeah. At, at, at in the, the big final act of the first one. If it wasn't for the crazy doctor and, and all that took place there that- Michael would just gone on his rampage, probably presumably again towards his house, and it would never Laurie would never have been bothered. <laughs> that would have been a pretty funny movie in and of itself, right? <laughs> <laughs> and to oh look, we don't need you, Laurie. You can go home. Oh, okay. Next film. <laughs> but yeah, again, it's it has an interesting idea. Like you said, doesn't know what to do with it. And instead, we just get, hey, I know what. Let's just have another random couple of people get killed in a, in a glorious blood, bloodbathy kind of way. Yeah. Yeah. And then so much of the runtime of this film is taken up with the the mob hunting down this second escaped person. <laughs> um, 
you you're probably much more familiar with the rest of the Halloween franchise than I am. Is that is that something that's happened before? Is this a completely new thing for the series? I just I didn't understand the point of it. It just took up a lot of time. I think it's Halloween four, but don't quote me because four, five, and six really do <laughs> unfortunately blend together for me in my head. Yeah. They're all almost as bad as each other. I think in number four, when it comes back to to Michael Myers, when the night he came home. No, that's the tagline of a different one. I can't remember. But anyway, yes, there is a um, a mob that are chasing him. Yeah. Through trying to- But it's not the whole town. There's like two carloads full of hillbilly dudes yeah. running around trying to shoot him. And they actually shoot and kill an innocent kid who's dressed as Michael on Halloween at one particular okay. point. So, plays with that idea a little bit there, which uh, not the whole film is dedicated to it though. So, it's okay. Yeah. Whereas this film- that's the central plot line almost. Not not the second guy, but the, the formation of this Yeah, mob. definitely. Yeah. And then how they go completely over the top. And I, I get that it is some comparisons to social events that are happening or have happened in the States in particular. But this was shot when? End of 2019? Yeah. So, I guess that was after the George Floyd stuff, right? Or am I getting- uh, like, Was that no, last year? No, that, that was, was last, last year. year. Yeah. So, it, I guess it's happenstance that it, it sort of echoes some of this stuff. Yeah. Really. But yeah. yeah, so there is a pedigree for it, but it's so on the nose. And I don't know about you, Billy, but the people who'd seen, including Tommy, even though he was young, who've seen Michael, who's this hulking great big six foot four yeah. dude. You're not gonna mistake him. <laughs> the guy that they're chasing around the hospital looks like it could be Schmeagel's extra. Yes, he does. With hair. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How are you confusing these two? Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't track at all. No. Yeah, and given that Michael just walks straight towards and kills anyone else who gets in his way, this guy just spends his entire time running fearfully with a hospital gown or, or a, you know, insane asylum gown on. Like, this, uh, it's so dumb. Yeah. And it goes on for so long. And the only good bit in the entire part is when Jamie Lee Curtis or Laurie you know, knees a doctor in the balls, opens up a wound, and then goes, oh, I need a doctor. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, so back to your question about the performances. I mean, ob- she's Jamie Lee Curtis. Obviously, Jamie Lee Curtis is great. The problem is that she just has really nothing to do in this film. Like, the most dialogue she speaks is that awful, awful monologue <laughs> at the end, and that's the most she speaks in the entire film, which is such a crime. <laughs> Agreed. Uh, and otherwise, she's reduced to either, yeah, that one bit where she's trying to stop the crowd, opens up a wound, and talking to Will Patton, who magically also comes back in this film because they've decided, oh, it's Will Patton. We probably shouldn't get rid of a guy, an actor of his quality. Therefore, we'll put him in a bed and let him do nothing the entire film. Yeah, yeah. And that, I mean, that's that's a problem with this kind of genre as well. And I wouldn't be surprised to see Judy Greer come back in the next film. Yeah. But if they do that, I mean, it already had such little impact that that will just take away any impact at all. Like, as you say, perhaps what will happen is that Jamie Lee Curtis will find out that'll kind of spur her on and, and she'll hunt him down. But I mean, if Judy Greer comes back, then there's just nothing there. <laughs> oh, look, I I agree. But it might be that um, I can't remember what Will Patton's character, oh, uh, Frank, Doc, Deputy Hawkins. Maybe yep. he and he and Laurie go together because he had decided that Michael needed to die. Because I didn't mind that. What did you think of that? The the sort of retconned in kind of side story from the '78 original. Yeah, I didn't mind that. I thought that that was an interesting spin on it. And like I said, I, the first kind of 10, 15 minutes of this film had me, including that bit. You know, when he is there telling this kid. 
you know, about that past. And then you get Jamie Lee Curtis continuing on from 2018. I I liked all that stuff. Mm. It was really just all of the random subplots that just got me. And, And particularly, I felt with this movie that I could feel every time 15 minutes had passed. Like every 15 minute increment, I was like, oh, okay, the film just went down another half a star. We've, we've <laughs> just passed another 15 minutes in time. Yep, they've just said evil dies tonight again. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's a very good call. Yeah, I thought that was quite interesting the way that they added that in and had Jim Cummings in it, who's a, who's a pretty good little indie actor, I think. And yep. his role, he gets killed and it's all Hawkins' fault and he blames himself and- Blah blah blah. All that was that one flashback was good. Yeah, I think they went back to the well a, a few too many times with regards to that. But I have to say the Donald Pleasance actor who I did some reading in makeup. I actually thought they'd somehow just CG'd in something he said during you know outtakes. I thought it looked really good. Yeah, same actually. Yeah, I thought that a lot of the casting for the flashbacks was pretty good. <laughs> so that that kind of worked as well. But I just kept coming back to the fact that all it is is Michael running across more random characters we've either just introduced or reintroduced. And, of course, I think all but one of them from Vague Memory dies. And that's yeah. one who ran into the forest and got away. I don't know why she lived, but she did. Yeah. Well, one more one more positive. I don't want to sound too negative. <laughs> um, the, the score is still that's not true. as good as the original. But, you know, you're playing with Carpenter's original melody there, which is just... A staggering piece of score work. I really, really love the score. Iconic. Absolutely iconic. And, of course, it's Carpenter himself and his son, Cody Carpenter, and then uh, Daniel Davies together. I thought the score was still very good. It it kind of rescued some of that atmosphere that was missing. Yeah, same. Maybe not quite as good as 2008. Of course, nothing, as you say, I agree, compares to 1978. But- this sort of updated version, I really, I really dug all that stuff. I haven't sat down and listened to it again, whereas the 2018 Halloween, the big piece from that one, Halloween Triumphant, is on repeat <laughs> on my uh, long-run playlist, so I hear it yep. a lot. <laughs> you brought them up before, but how much were you missing the podcasters, mate? <laughs> <laughs> Not really, to be honest. <laughs> I is, think there are, there's a way to, to depict podcasters on film, and I don't believe that they got it right in the 2018 version, particularly the fact that the microphone could be some 30 feet or 40 feet away and pick up the guy perfectly. Not that he ever said anything, of course. I don't think I've ever seen podcasters depicted well on film, like between this and Godzilla. I mean... <laughs> or what was it Zach Braff's uh, show that was about a podcast? That didn't last very long either, no. so... No, <laughs> I think maybe podcasting is death. Although, what's that new show that's on uh, Amazon Prime with Steve Martin and Martin Short and Selena Gomez? Uh, isn't, aren't uh, they all podcasts? Yeah, Only Murders in the Building. That's a great yeah. show, actually. Okay, there you go. They yeah. finally nailed it. Yeah. <laughs> we'll give that one a watch. Actually, one other point is I felt like even the kills, as much as we praise them for some of their inventiveness, and we probably should acknowledge our favorite kill at some point, given if we're going to do this particular film, but I felt like the film couldn't tonally settled down on what it wanted you to react to yep. with these some of these deaths. Like some of them that played for real keeps, like, oh, this is really heartfelt and, and horrible, particularly the Big John and Little John, I thought they really wanted you to care about those two characters. Yeah. But then we had the African-American couple at the, who were introduced at the bar and when Michael attacked the car that they are in with some of those returning characters, the the nurse from the, the first film as well. Yeah. And th- their deaths were so... Over the top in comical, like when the woman shoots herself in the face when, when yeah. Michael throws the car door open, the film wants you to laugh, right? That's not just me. Well, I wasn't sure because I felt like this film was missing 
a bit of humor. And you're right, when it was there, it felt like you weren't sure if it was supposed to be funny or not. Um, Because I remember 2018's Halloween having, you know, a little bit of humor injected into it. This one seemed to- the. uh the African-American kid, the way he reacted to Michael was awesome. Yeah. In that version. This one seemed to take itself very, very seriously, I thought. And you're right. So, it was tonally a bit strange when stuff like that happened. <laughs> yeah. I just, it really sort of threw me like, oh, we're meant to care about this person. Or this is a great kill. Look how, look how the gore effects we've got working here. Well done, us. Yay. And now we want you to care about this person. But this one, they're a loser. They can, they can just die. You can have a giggle at them, right? Yeah. Pick a lane. Yeah, One I know. or the other. Yeah, it's still a person dying, right? Like, exactly. You, you should care. <laughs> if the funniest thing in your film is people dying, you probably, or other than Tucker and Dale versus Evil, you probably missed the mark. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right. What was your favorite kill? Ooh, I think probably the one that stands out in my memory, and it's for a nothing character who we do get a little bit of warmth between the the old couple that Michael comes after he slaughters all the firefighters at the start yeah, of the film. Yeah, when he breaks that fluorescent light bulb and slides it through her neck, that's some pretty amazing effects work, I reckon. And then she's dying slowly on the floor. She yeah. drags in the husband and just stabs him about 20 different knives. Yes, and she's just sitting there watching as he's just repeatedly stabbing him, picking up knife after knife. And that was actually a great Michael moment where you just you see him. It's like he's not even thinking about it. Like he's just, It's just what he's doing. He's just picking up a knife, stabbing it. it that was a very cool moment. <laughs> I think they were trying to go for he was angry after what happened in the first film. At okay. the end of the first film. I didn't get that. Because I think that's- <laughs> Well, because like normally he'll kill people- and he'll do the little head cock to the side and like, oh, yeah, great. That's a Michael moment there. But he's not normally so – it sounds weird for, for a mass murderer. He's not normally so sadistic about it. Like, I'm going to torment this person in front of – I'm going to murder this person in front of their partner. Yeah, like yeah. He, he's normally just dispatch, move on, dispatch. So, I think that's what made it sort of more memorable for me, that, that particular kill. So Yeah. And I, and I did like when he stabbed the other guy in the, in the eye in the car as well. Because I'm like, what are you doing? You're just grabbing this this guy around the neck. He's got two hands free. What do you think's going to happen? Yeah. <laughs> it's funny, you know, even though the I feel like the kills were the most memorable part of the film, I still can't remember a lot of them. <laughs> there you go. Because there are a lot. There the, was a shit ton. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, how are you scoring Halloween kills overall? Oh, look, I I think I gave the original 8 out of 10 by We Watch The Thing numbers. So, with that in mind, when I first walked out of there, I was like, oh, yeah, 5 out of 10, just maybe just under. But on the whole point scale, We Watch The Thing, particularly after our discussions, I can't do it. I can't give it a a pass mark. I'm going 4 out of 10. Yeah, right. Yeah. I'm I'm a 5, but I'm a generous scorer. I'm I'm the guy who gave Tommy Boy a 7. So... (laughs) (laughs) got no leg to stand on <laughs> yeah I mean, like i said i on our show we do by whole numbers i'll probably give it like a 46 or a 47 but yeah 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 i mean I, Look, I it's had, not good i had enough fun with it i'll say that like i don't regret watching it and no but i'll also say there's no point giving this a recommend or not because if you're the kind of person who's going to see this film true you're going to see it you're not gonna you're not gonna listen to anybody else it's you know, you're either into these kind of films or you're not. So, yeah, there's abs- no one starting in the twelfth film in a series, but the third film in this timeline, and going, yeah. oh, maybe I'll give this a bash. <laughs> yeah, you know, exactly. You're either yeah. already in, or your your partner's dragged you to watch it, and you're already rolling your eyes so hard that you're hating it. <laughs> so, yeah. not that we're going to change anybody's mind with this, but I, I would, I would love to meet. I have met someone 
We do know a podcaster, Gerald from Two Peas on a Podcast, who loved this movie. Reckons it's the second best Halloween film ever made. Yeah, I saw I his. Still review. do not understand his perspective at all. Not at all. Not at all. <laughs> All right. There we are. Sad. Sad. <laughs> we didn't even get a big uh, B Dizzle's big call, so I'm even sadder still. Not for this film, but we've got another record to go, Ooh. so we'll see what happens. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining me. I'm sure that everybody who listens to this already knows where to find you, but if you don't, I would highly recommend checking out The Countdown. Can you tell everybody where to find you guys? Oh, thanks. Thanks, B Dizzle. Uh, just search for The Countdown Movie and TV Reviews. We're on pretty much everywhere that allows you to be in, as an Australian podcast. And uh, yeah, it's a lot more bad, rude words. That that's English, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. A lot more swearing on our podcast is when I count down movies and t- television sort of topics from ten to one and try and discredit each other along the way. That's basically the premise of the show. Nice. Well, it's a hell of a lot of fun. So I would highly, highly recommend it. Um, Thank you. All right. Next week, I will be rejoined by my old buddy Topher. We're going hey! to be talking about 1984's Dune as a patron request. Ooh. So, <laughs> I'm excited for that. And uh, also, midweek, I'll be dropping a bonus episode on Eternals with Sam from Movie Reviews in 20 Qs. So, I'm not the biggest Marvel fan, but I am a Chloe Zhao fan. So, I'm looking forward to seeing how that ends up. <laughs> Could be very interesting. And you know what fills a Topher-shaped hole particularly well? Sam Hurley. Topher. <laughs> well, yeah, Topher. <laughs> <laughs> I just ignored the Sam Hurley key where you don't really need to take that into account, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. In the meantime, if you want to get in touch with me, you can do that at wewatchedathing.com or wewatchedathing at gmail.com. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all under the handle at wewatchedathing. If you want to help support the show, you can do that at patreon.com forward slash wewatchedathing, and I'll catch you next week. Oh,